I have about a, an hour and a half message that I'm going to speak in about 25 minutes. So I'm going to talk fast, and you've got to listen fast. Would that be all right? That'd be good. I heard about one guy said, I got so much to say, I don't know where to start. A little boy in the back said, start somewhere toward the end. <laughs> and uh, that may be your story as well, you know, and thank God for each of you for being with us today. Second Kings chapter 4. Uh, would you please take your Bibles, hold your place there, and turn to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, hold your place in 2 Kings, and look at Romans chapter 15. And I want you to read verse number 4 with me, if you would please, together. Had the joy to go through discipleship lessons this morning. This was one of the verses there. Romans chapter 15, verse number 4. Could you read it aloud with me, everybody? Here we go. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Would you read it one more time with me? Listen to it. Think about what it means real quickly. Here we go, everybody, verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures... The Bible tells us why God gave us a Bible with so many stories in it. David and Goliath, Noah and the ark, the creation of the world... Cain killing his brother Abel, Abraham and Sarah, Abraham and Isaac, Daniel and the lion's den, David and, and uh, his mighty men, all the things that we have in stories in the Bible. Why did God give us that? In verse 4 of chapter five, 15 of Romans, it tells us they're given for our learning. That when we consider those things, because you're going to have a giant in your path if you keep breathing. You're going to have some things you're not going to know what to do. And you need the examples of these stories. God is so wise in giving us the Bible. Number one, to show us how to get to heaven from here. If you're here this morning and you're not sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. You need to know that. You can know that. You need someone to show you the Bible. And I hope you won't leave today until you let someone do that. It's the, it was the best day of my life when someone took the Bible and showed me how I could have eternal life. And if you're here today and you're not sure, if you were to die, you'd go to heaven. You need someone to show that to you. But the main reading of the Bible is for Christians. Christians, so they can know how to live more abundantly, so they could have more understanding about world events and have peace in their heart. So they would know what is right, what's not right, how to get right, how to stay right so that we can be changed. All of us need to change. And the greatest agent of change known to mankind is the Bible. God, when you get in the Bible, the Bible gets in you. And you change. While you read the Bible, the Bible starts reading you. It's crazy, but you can walk on our college campuses, you can walk on our high school campuses with any kind of New Age religious book. You, you can walk on there with pornography. You can walk on there with Hinduism and the teachings of, of Buddha or, or Confucius. You can walk on with the Quran. No one cares. You walk on there with a Bible and they're going to stop you and say, I don't think we're supposed to have that book here. One of the reasons I believe the Bible is how it is so powerful, it bothers people so much. It's the real Bible. That's why people, when they curse, they don't curse the name of Buddha. They don't curse the name of Muhammad. They curse the God of the Bible and his son. We've all done that probably in some time or another in our life. Why is it? Because it's the real God. And this is the real book. 
And I want to encourage you to listen to it. But here's a story. This is a wonderful story in 2 Kings chapter 4. Keep your Bible open there. And there are some things we need to learn. The, the man is the man of God. His name is Elisha. He followed up with a guy named Elijah. Elijah was God's prophet. He did eight miracles. They were supernaturally God performed through him. And Elisha came and he said, before you die, give me a double portion of your spirit. And it's interesting, but God not only gave him a double portion of his spirit, he gave him 16 miracles that, that God used him to do. Five of them are recorded right here in chapter 4 of 2 Kings. He talks about a lady who was, her husband died, he was in debt, and he was a, one of the sons of the prophet, and he didn't have any money, and she had creditors coming on him, and she said, what do you have? He said, well, I, I only have a little bit of oil. And he said, okay, well, close your door, get as, go borrow as many buckets as you can borrow in the neighborhood, and close your door, and God filled up all the buckets, so she had enough money to, to, to sell those and get the, the debt paid. It was kind of a miracle, wouldn't you think so? This is interesting. There's a great lady who lives in this city. Look at verse number 8, would you please, of your Bible? 2 Kings chapter 4, verse number 8. And the Bible says, and uh, verse 8, And there fell a day that Elisha, this is God's man, the prophet, passed through Shunem. And there was a great lady. When the word great is, means someone who was probably very notable, everyone knew her, and she probably had some deep pockets or a deep purse. <laughs> she was probably wealthy. Her, her husband was wealthy. She was wealthy and she was known in that community. So it was a great lady that was there. And the Bible says in verse number eight, and she constrained him, Elisha, and his, uh, his associate, Brister Gehazi, to eat bread, to come by and enjoy a meal with her. And so it was that as oft as she passed by, they turned thither and to eat bread. So every time he would come near that town, she would say, come, eat with us. Enjoy a meal with us. I'll take care of your food. So she, uh, she found out that he was a man of God, and she said, won't you come eat with us? Well, look at verse number 9. She didn't just invite him to eat, but she got another idea that she shared with her husband. Look at verse number 9. And she said to her husband, behold now, is this something we could do? I perceive that this is a holy man of God. This guy belongs to God. He's God's man. He said, uh, which passes by us continually. He's ministering in our area. He keeps coming through here, oftentimes in his work for God. Verse number 10, let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. And let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be that when he cometh to us, he shall, he shall uh, return in thither. So she said to her husband, she said, honey, there's this guy. He keeps coming through. He's doing a work for God. I know he's God's man. I perceive that he's not just a regular Joe that's, that wants something to eat. He's God's man, and we can do something to help him. Let's do this. On the side of her house, let's build a prophet's chamber. Let's extend our house, and in that, on the side of the house, let's put a bed, Let's put a table, let's put a table or a chair and then a candle so he can see. And let's set it up there so that when he comes here, he has a place that he can rest. And he can turn in hither and he can sleep here and stay here anytime. We'll just let it be his chamber. Well, the man agreed, thought it was a good idea, and that's what they did. Well, let's continue if we can, please, in verse number 11. And there fell a day when he came thither that he turned into the chamber and lay there. 
there come another day, and then when, he had the, then when she finished the, the, the construction, they finished the construction, he came through. He said, you know, I, I'm going to go over there and, and stay at the prophet's chamber. And he laid down. We're going to talk about this in just a second, but let me just tell you a couple things that come to my mind. And I think they would come to your mind too. This lady was a great lady, but she did some great things. She had something on the inside of her that I think every precious lady ought to have. And I think we ought to have a heart of hospitality, a heart to help other people. This lady, though she had a good life, now you'll find out she didn't have a child. She had been married and she had passed that stage. Her husband was older and she just really felt like that was something in her rearview mirror. She was going to be, uh, not be a mother the rest of her life. That wasn't going to happen for her. But she seemed to have a special spirit. She had a spirit that said, you know, when I, I perceive this, she had some discernment. She identified someone that was from God, and she had some spiritual appetite to want to know this person is from God. She had some influence with her husband. She said, honey, I really believe we ought to do something. This guy is from the Lord. We can be used together. We can partner together to do something to be special. I see several things about this girl. She had some discernment. She perceived this man wasn't just another man. He was God's man. She fed him. That doesn't, that's not done easily. It's not done on spare time and pocket change to invite people or to take care of their meals. But she worked together for that. She built and invested on a, a chamber, and I'm sure it was clean. And whenever he had left, she would come and clean it and prepare it for the next person. One day, Elisha comes in, and he has a friend. He has a young man named Gehazi. Now, Gehazi, his name means diminisher. Really, I, I kind of scratched my head why he had such a negligent goofball as his help. Gehazi was an idiot. Uh, he may have been the flower of his family, a, a blooming idiot. I don't, there's not a lot about him that I'm really impressed about. He just he seems to keep doing the same dumb thing over and over again. He seems to have a very shallow... He's working with someone who is... He has seen all the work that God's doing through Elisha. He has seen every miracle. All 16 of them, he'll see it. But he still is thick. And I think about that sometimes. That's how I have been. I've been the flower of my family, a blooming idiot. I have seen so many good things that God's done, and I still think very temporal. I don't see it. You know, God has a hard time believing that we have a hard time believing. He's been so good. And Gehazi just didn't get it, and he just seems like he keeps fumbling around in his Christian life. It's not someone you want to be like. I hope you and I will decide, you know what, I want to, if, if God's going to show me all these great things and put me around people that love the Lord, I'm, I'm going to do my best to get it pass on to me and live in an elevated state and not a low. I think everybody is going to be accountable to God. Every one of us will give an account of himself to God. But when people are exposed to truth and miracles and blessings from the Lord, and they still live a very anemic life, God help us. That's Gehazi's story. But he travels with Elisha. Elisha uh, says he's passing through. He says, I'm going to turn here. And he lays down on the bed in the chamber. Here's what he says. Look, if you would, please, at the next verse. And he said unto them, say unto her, uh, I'm sorry, let's pick up with verse number 12. And he, and he said unto Gehazi, his servant, call the Shudamite woman. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, 
Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. He said, you know, he's laying there in that bed and he's thinking, God has been so good to me to give me a place to rest, food to eat. This lady has expended great efforts to care for us. And he says to his friend, he says, what can I do for you? Wouldest thou that I'll be spoken of for the king? Do you want me to beseech the king? I know him. Or a captain of the host, can I do something to help you? I want you to read the end of verse 13, everyone together. Ready? And she answered, I dwell among mine own. Isn't that interesting? So he, he's laying in bed and he's resting. The man of God has been traveling. He says, I'm just thinking here of all the good things this precious girl's done for us and her family. Go call her. And he called her. She comes to the door. And he says to his, his, his sidekick or his assistant, he said, what can we do for her? What would she want? Would she want me to go and beseech the king to get some business done? Or could I go to the captain of the guards and talk to him? Is there something I can do to be a blessing to you? And she came to the door and she said this, I dwell among mine own people. You know what that means? She said, I'm good. I'm content. She didn't have a child. She didn't have all the things that no doubt as a young lady she thought she would have, but she had a spirit of contentment. She said, sir, I'm good. I dwell among my own people. I don't need anything. You know, that's another beautiful thing about this lady. She would have had a contented spirit. You've heard the statement, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. How many know a mama like that? Keep your hands down, please. It's Mother's Day. Oh, no. If, you know, the truth of the matter is, there's something special about being a contented Christian. Now, some of the biggest drama mamas are men. But you know, the Bible says it's better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than to dwell in a broad, wide mansion with a contentious woman. Content means it's the, it's the, it's the uh, root word. Someone is just not happy. This girl, for all that she had been through, whatever that may have been, she was content. When asked, what can I do for you? She goes, I dwell among my own people. I'm good. I like my life. God's been good to me. I'm good. A contented spirit. You know, contentment is something that has to be learned. I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And godliness with contentment is Great game. Have you ever taken a trip with a discontented person? Maybe, you know, you, you pull over and you, you're on a trip and they're just, you know, they're in the back of the car, they're going, hey, you ever hear of AC? So you turn the air conditioning on five minutes later, are we trying to hang meat back here? It's freezing. Where's the blanket, you know? You pull over at McDonald's, I wish we'd go to Taco Bell. You know, oh, we got to do this again. You know, you kind of want to just stop off at one of those rest areas, drop them off, and tell them, be careful as you cross the highway. We'll see you on the way back from vacation, okay? It's miserable. Discontentment. And the enemy of contentment is comparison. Many folks, we're fine. If we start evaluating all God's done for us, my goodness, we have nothing to complain about. But many people will spend their entire existence frustrating everyone around them and their own self and by the way, when bitterness comes, we trouble ourselves and we defile others. Well, I'm just not happy. Well, I'm just telling you, it's not about you, Spanky. It, there's no place in the Bible, thou shalt be happy. You know how you find happiness? Through obedience, through responsibility. 
through living for others. The word joy, Jesus, others, you. What a wonderful way to spell joy. You want joy? Make Jesus first, make others second, and then sit in the back seat and experience the blessings of joy. This lady says, you know, I dwell among my own people. You can see that she was was perceptive. She was spiritual. She was sensitive to other people. She saw what she could do for others. She was content. And I'm telling you, listen, fellas, it's Mother's Day, but we ought to put these shoes on. This is talking, this ought to ring my bell as much as it should ring any lady's bell here. It's just a good example. See, I think I'm good. Thank you so very much. Well, look at the next verse. The Bible says there in verse 14, and he said, what then can be done for her? And Gehazi answered, verily, she hath no child. She's never had a baby. And her husband is old. So that he didn't, she didn't give him this, but he said, you know, she doesn't have any kids. She's, her husband's old. Some of you girls can say an amen to that. I know my wife is starting to say amen aloud about that. Verse number 15, and he said, call her. And when, she had, when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said about this season, next year, this time, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, nay, my Lord. Thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. She was blown away by that. Here's the man of God sitting on the side of his bed, I'm sure. She came to the door and said, look, um, a year from now, you're going to hold a little boy. And she said, stop it. No, please don't. Don't get my hopes up. I've done that month after month. I've done that year after year and now decade after decade. Don't mess with me. Don't mess with me, man of God. Don't, Don't lie to me. So this, I can't believe this. But one year that day, she held a little boy. Look at the next verse, if you would please. And the woman conceived and bare a son in that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. I think it's a beautiful testimony. However, we find that that little boy grew up, and we don't know how big he got or how old he was, but his dad was an agricultural farmer. He was out in the field working with his men, And this little boy was old enough where he could go out and work with his dad. Let's see what happens next, if we can, please. And I need to hasten. You listen carefully. Verse 18. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers. It was was a time of harvest. He's old enough now to go out and see his dad. And he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said unto the lad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and and went out. And she called to her husband and said, send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the, the, the asses, and I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon or Sabbath. It's not, our, it's not our day of worship. And she said, It shall be well. And then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me. Don't be careful. Don't, don't worry about how rough it is. Just get there quick. Except I bid thee, unless I tell you to stop. And so she went and came into the man of God, probably 10 to 15 miles away at Mount Carmel. And it came to pass that when the man of God saw her afar off, 
She said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shudamite. Run now, and I pray thee to meet her and say to her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with thy child? She answered, It is well. And when she came to the man of God onto the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near and thrust her away, tried to pull her away from grabbing the feet of the man of God. And the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me. I don't know what the problem is, but she's tore up and hath not told me. And she said, Did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I come and ask you to give me a son? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins, take the staff in thine hand, and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. Don't, don't pass go, don't collect $200, basically. Just get there quick. And if any salute thee, answer him not again. Don't stop and talk to anybody. Lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, as my soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. She said, so we find here what happens. He said, she, she now went to her, she, she had the boys out in the field. He's got a terrible headache, possibly an aneurysm, a heat stroke, I don't know. He says, Dad, my head, my head. And he says, carry him, one of his servants, take him to his mother. By the way, mamas, you need to be spiritual enough to take on the challenges of your children. Love them through it. Pray with them through it. How many have a mama like that that's take on your challenges from time to time? Love your mama. But mamas... You need to walk with God in order to carry your burdens and the burdens of others as well. One thing about this, this little boy lived because they took him to his mom. Boy, mothers are very powerful people. They have a great, and by the way, if you say, Pastor, I never had a chance to be a mama, that you are still a very powerful person to the lives of someone. We heard about four little girls who had their mom Friday night, and they don't have their mom today. They need somebody to step in and love them. 13, 11, 9, and 8 years old. There are opportunities that, all, that abound. We can spend our time being frustrated about how hard it is to be me, or we can say, I can, I can take that. Give me that. Take him to his mother. Well, the little boy died in, his arm, in her arms. And here she does something very unique. She has faith in God. Very supernatural. She goes and opens that little prophet's chamber and lays the little boy on the bed and she goes to her husband and says give me a give me a, a servant and give me a donkey and I want him to ride like the wind I got to find the man of God she says honey you don't need to go it's not even Saturday and it's not a new moon it's not a day of worship because I got to find him it's okay but I need to find him and she runs like the wind and tells the guy run don't worry about me don't worry how rough it is we got to get there quick and from a distance, he's on Mount Carmel, looks down and sees her, and he says, that's a Shudamite girl. Gehazi, go see her. Ask her if it's okay with her husband. Ask her if it's okay with her child, and find out how they're doing. And he said, uh, he went down there, and she said, it's okay, all is well. But when she came to the man of God, she came right to him, and she fell prostrate and grabbed his feet. Gehazi, once again, an immature guy who just didn't get it. Rather than see the grief and the heartache in her, she, he reached down and grabbed her and pulled her away from the prophet. He said, no, no, no. Her heart is vexed. There's something wrong here. And God hasn't showed me what the problem is. He said, don't, don't, don't be rough with people. It's another immature activity here of Gehazi. 
I think about Timothy. The Bible says, uh, Paul says to Timothy, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for others like Timothy. But would to God that all of us naturally cared for others. We are gracious and extended love and forgiveness and care. Stop looking about how it affects you and how it affects others might be. Look on every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Well, the Bible story is going to conclude, but it's just going to go quickly here. But anyway, we find that he says, take my staff, go as fast as you can, go to the body of that little boy, put the staff on him. And she was going to send him. And the mother says, listen, man of God, I'm not leaving you till you come. And so he's older. He makes his way down there. The Bible tells us what happens. He sees him and he puts his eye on his eyes, his nose on the little boy's nose. He takes his hands on his hands and he begins to breathe on him. And he seems to come back to like a comatose state. His, his warmth comes back to his body, but then he's not alive yet. He walks and he prays and he comes back and he does it again. And the Lord brings the little boy back to life and brings it back to his mother. None of that would have happened if, if the dad didn't carry it back to his mom. I see a lady here who is calm under pressure, who is faithful even though she doesn't understand. She definitely pours out her complaint. He said, you know, I, I came, I didn't ask for a child. You let me have a child. You brought that up. Did you, I told you, don't, don't mess with me. And do you find that God came and committed one of the wonderful miracles through Elisha? Mama, Adult man, adult lady, teenager. Why don't we take some of these same principles and apply them to our life that we see in this precious girl? Let's pray together, can we?